Um, a, a question here. Yes. Why are there jelly beans on this toast? Because we ran out of sour worms. I guess that explains it. And welcome back to Toasting Design, because that's the way it is. Shaka Shekman, Michael Boer. Michael, what are we talking about today? Well, the same stuff, but a bit different. Cool. So we'll do, uh, we'll do the, the aero one first for a change. Uh, we're back into design. So we're talking about uh, the fundamentals of problem solving. Yeah. And this could be a real problem, a fourth year project, third year project, or even a second year project with yeah. a theme of Mars. And cool. we're just using an aeroplane for an example. You could apply this to basically any anything as well. Mm. And we're talking about what's called a complex system. So it's something which is rather complicated in what it does and how it works and the million different options you've got to. A lot can, of working systems coming together. A lot of working systems that come together. And the, the thing we're going to try and ask to, or answer today is where the hell do you start in this thing? What's the most important thing to get done first? We're using an aeroplane because there are three parts to, 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 to what an aeroplane does. The first thing is aeroplanes perform missions. And by aeroplanes, yeah. we're talking balloons, blimps, kites, drones, you name it. Anything. They perform a mission. And that mission is a task. It's a job. Yeah. To do that job uh, for, for an aircraft, it's going to be you know, a speed and altitude. There's going to be time, etc. Yeah. And that's super important. I mean, people need to go from A to B. That's a distance exactly. involved. Yeah. But you can't take... 30 days to do it so there's distance and time mm -hmm. um, in terms of the the next part of it you've obviously got the payload so yeah. for a passenger aircraft it's people and their environment and food and drink and bathrooms and lights and USB phone chargers and all that fun stuff yeah um, for military application it'll be you know radar missiles sensor packs etc mm. and then the last part of that is the machine that can achieve the payload mission combination okay so you have to sort out the mission first. Yeah. The mission is for a payload, and then an aeroplane is then uh, the thing that does the job. Okay. Um, and to design anything, you have to pick the most important part of the mission. And the third years, they get very good practice at this. And at second year level, it's not super important that they get this bit right. No. No, it's, it's not, it's not going to fail you if you've gone a little bit off track on that. And at fourth year, it's absolutely crucial in terms of ELO 1 problem solving and ELO 3 design um, and then obviously 2 and 5 the analysis part that you get this bit right yes so the example that we could use is um, well the mission phases is generally a, a, a get to a takeoff phase there's a takeoff phase there's uh, accelerate climb then there's cruise and then there's well you can either just cruise or there's combat or whatever you need mm -hmm. to and then there's the, the get back to where you where you need to Yes, provided yes, you yeah. survive the mission. Yes. Okay, so let's dive in at random. Which part of the flight should we look at? Climb. Climb. All right, so that is a change in altitude. And for that, you obviously have the, the constraints of what Mother Nature gives us in terms of the atmosphere. Uh, and gravity. And gravity. Yeah. Uh, so a bunch of things change. And obviously, if you're carrying a human payload, uh, life becomes a bit hostile as you increase yeah. altitude. Um, all right, but let's assume we're not going to super high altitude. We're just going up, you know, th three kilometers up. So you sure. can still breathe there fine. 10,000 feet. Cool. 10,000 feet. Um, you need to climb. You need to understand the physics of what happens. There's less yeah. oxygen up there. There's less oxygen up there because there's less density and there's less density because there's less pressure. 
and the three are related. Yes, yeah. Okay, cool. So if you've got an engine, that engine is going to suffer the same thing that humans do. There's less energy yeah. to be used. At the same time, if there's less oxygen, you burn less fuel, regardless yes. of whether it's a piston engine or whether it's a, yeah. a, a gas turbine. And we're talking about unturbocharged un in this case. Mm -hmm. So as you go up, there's less oxygen, you need to burn less fuel. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there's less air density. And this okay. is the cool thing about the difference between airplanes and cars, really. Dynamic pressure. It's yeah. a half right. air density yeah. and then V squared. So to make your wing work perfectly and efficiently, you need to maintain the right dynamic pressure. Okay. So as the pressure or as the density comes down, your velocity can go up. Okay. Right. So the higher you go for the same dynamic pressure, you can go faster. Mm. And there's less oxygen, which means you're burning less fuel. So you can go faster and your fuel consumption comes down for the same thing. Okay. It's so, a win-win situation, which exactly. is why nobody cruises at sea level. Yeah. Okay. The caveat to that is obviously electric propulsion, yeah. which doesn't breathe air. Yeah. Cool. So the higher you go, the less oxygen, your electric propulsion system doesn't give and anything about if it. it. Look, depending on how it's cooled, if it's air-cooled... Yes. There's less air to cool it. Your engine's going to overheat. But the air's cooler as well. Well, the air's also cooler, yes. So, so that, that, that's a complex analysis there. Depending on how it works. Correct. I mean, conduction, you've got less air, there's less conduction that can occur. And there's less humidity. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a very nice thermodynamic analysis yes, there, yeah. which is, again, very, very later down in, in design. Yes, yeah. So with this climb story, here's the interesting thing. When you're climbing, you've got a little velocity vector triangle. Yeah. And you don't even need to sort of basically understand it. But if you're aiming upwards, imagine a person going up an escalator in a shopping mall. They mm. are doing what an airplane does. Yeah. So their airspeed is their velocity along the escalator. The vertical component is your climb rate. And obviously, the horizontal component is the ground bit speed. that nobody cares about. It's, yeah. it's your effective ground speed, but yeah. nobody worries yeah. about that. Okay. Now, the pilot basically controls the airspeed up along the escalator and monitors what the climb rate is. One, one second. In, in terms of that, that ground speed for a climb, for a standard mission of your main mission is that trip to A to B. Yes. If your mission were to become that climb, some, some sort of aerobatic yes. maneuver, then that distance over the ground, depending on how much space you've got to work 100% right. If it's an aerobatic show or if it's a, a drone flying within a confined space, then all three of those vectors are then super you have important. To. So it is very much coming down to the mission. But in this case, we're looking at a trip A to B long distance. A to B, you need to get to this altitude where everything works efficiently and then, and then, then yeah. you can go. Okay. And at every single, imagine it as the escalator, at each step up it, the air properties are different. Mm -hmm. Right. So your engine behaves differently. Yeah. But what pilots are basically taught to do without being taught it and what engineers design the airplane for is that the dynamic pressure remains constant during climbs the wing behaves exactly the same at its best efficient point hmm. and nobody knows this except engineers basically yeah and that's the cool thing about the atmosphere but also your fuel consumption drops as you gain altitude but so does your power Mm -hmm. So what happens is the rate at which you climb this escalator starts off at a maximum at sea level. And as you go higher and higher and higher, it gets less and less and less. Yeah. So it's like climbing an infinitely long set of stairs. You can breathe lots of oxygen 
at the bottom step and as you go up you're going to get more and more tired more and more quickly exactly. and your rate is going to come down and down and down but up at the top things are more efficient for you so where do we analyze this at the bottom of the set of stairs at the bottom of the climb or at the top of the climb top if you can't make top you can't get 100% right you analyze it at the top you have to make sure that this thing this hunk of junk with some wings and, and a propulsion system yeah. can get to the top because we're just talking about climb yeah if it can get to the top it could have done the bottom. It could have done the bottom. Yeah. It's, it's that whole thing of look for the worst case scenario, effectively. And that's where you would start your, your set of equations, which makes up the sort of analytical part of the design to set up a model where mm. you can play with different kinds of engines, different number of engines. You can play with things that we have discussed before, trade-offs and compromises. Mm -hmm. um, you could try, you know, diesel versus electric versus turbocharged, unturbocharged, jet, turbofan, you, you sure. name it. Um, to try and find the best, the best thing. It gets complicated though, because when pilots do, do the climb basically, they fly at one fixed airspeed, mm. which gives you a set climb rate and that climb rate will then decay as you climb. Mm. However, pilots could be one or two meters per second out of that speed, or they could do it 10 meters per second fast or 10 meters per second slow, there's actually a wide range. Mm. So you have to analyze what is the best and worst case at the top of climb? Okay. Because you have to account for a pilot that's climbing that has to avoid a flock of birds. And you have to make okay. sure that you're not flying on like... Just on that teetering So edge. you've literally designed it on a teetering edge of it's safe over here and if there's anything in the way, one locust uh, that, that strikes the wing, you're, you're toast. Isn't that sort of what happened with the U2 though? It basically was on the teetering edge the whole way, that final That's bit. right. Uh, so the, if, if, you, if you design something for rarefied air, it's called coffin corner where your maximum speed and stall speed are basically the same thing. And in the case of the U2, it was something like, you know, four miles an hour difference between stall and mach, flutter and breaker. Sure. But then you, you have to understand. So you're looking for, okay, worst case scenario in, the, in that for the mission is up top. And then you're looking at worst case scenario within that area as well uh, to grasp your... That's right. And the maths is not very difficult, but it, the, the understanding part is because, believe it or not, you can open up any aircraft design textbook and it's not going to tell you that. No. There's going to be a set of very fancy looking sort of equations and, and things that you can chuck into a MATLAB program and there'll be things available on the web that... Uh, how many people, how far do you want to go, and it's going to spit stuff out. But you actually have to understand that. Yeah. You have to understand that if you're designing your, your 590-seat passenger aircraft and it's going to do Mach 2.5, it's, it's got to get to that point. To that point. Um, and if that's the most important part of the mission, then, then that's what you have to design for. So how, in terms of, so, okay, Concorde, would you say, in an example of supersonic transport, would you say... Concorde's most important part was the climb. And then in terms of the design, do you think that's, that's where a student, should they always start with climb? Or? Climb is an interesting one. Um, I mean, for Concorde, there's obviously the, the, the acceleration phase. It yeah. had to be able to accelerate without burning copious amounts of fuel around Mach 1, Mach 1.1, 1.2. Obviously, it's going to sit and cruise for, okay, New York, London was uh, two hours and mm. 40 minutes or something. So it's going to cruise for two hours. Yeah, yeah. And then there's going to be the slowdown and the speed up. But the slowing down bit for an airplane is not that much because you've got a whole lot of potential energy that you can convert. But climb is the energy intensive thing. You've got to burn a lot of energy to 
get that that potential energy out. Um, so climb certainly would have been important, but there would have been some form of trade-off between getting it off the ground hmm. and climb and then the acceleration phase. Cruising at Mach 2 was established um, well before Concorde flew. Um, yeah. It just happened that to get off the ground and to climb, Mach 2 was the best speed that could be achieved with what could get off the ground. Okay. So then what would you say is the sort of... Those typical things that the students or the designers tend to worry about, um, you know, worried about uh, this aspect here, where you'd say at that point it's just really not important. Uh, if, if we use the climb example, what students generally do is they, cl they, they climb at one speed. They don't work out. So if I take this aeroplane and I climb at 100 knots, it's going to take me this amount of time. I'm going to cover this much distance and burn that much fuel. Okay. For a certain starting mass, and let's say that uses a lot of fuel. Yeah. If I go a little bit slower, I might take less time, use less fuel, but cover less distance. Which mm. means once I'm once I've climbed, I need to fly a little further in the cruise phase. But my fuel consumption when I'm up there is going to be much lower than here. So overall, what is the best climb? Yeah. And that's where you cannot just analyze the climb in isolation. You've mm -hmm. got to you've got to sort of work out this is the best climb, and then sort of put a drawing pin in it and say, yeah. okay, that's currently looking the best. Then you've got to sit and do the next part of the mission, which might be not as important as climb, mm. and work out what's the very best thing um, for, you know, for, for that, and then put the best combination together. Sure. And things like landing and things like takeoff and things, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore them. So you factor them in afterwards, and that's where you okay, add yeah. things like, um, you know, you get the perfect wing, you get your propulsion system, and then flaps they are not the first thing that's designed. No. They are very much an add-on and then integrated back. And, you know, you'll know, you know, if you look through the World War II airplanes, there are aircraft that had well-integrated flaps that were part of the design, and they were the ones where, whoops, we're going to need yeah. to, have <laughs> to, we're gonna have to do something this, about this takeoff yeah, yeah, performance yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever, and then they were, they were, they were add-on add -on extras. Bolted on, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, once you've done... You, you determine takeoff is one of the critical areas. You determine that you can do your particular cruise, um, and then you've moved on to a takeoff and landing. In, in terms of that overall mission planning or that sort of general area, before you start working on the system that is to do it, yes. any other steps and stuff mm -hmm. that then need to be looked at? Uh, I mean, certainly, once you've taken off, you then, then start climbing. So you've got to, once you've got this thing that can climb, you then have to work out what its takeoff performance is. Yeah. Its takeoff performance, I mean, if, you, if you're designing for really, really high climb rates, mm. the takeoff performance is going to be quite good. Yeah. However, if you're designing for super efficient, let's say somewhat on the quiet side, uh, your power requirement is going to be minimal because you've got a very efficient airplane. Yeah. But the definition of aircraft efficiency is got nothing to do with mass. It's got to do with ratios of lift to drag. So it's mass to another vector. Mm. And mass, even though it's equal to lift, um, that's not actually part of the equation. Mm. So if you've got a really, really efficient airplane, it doesn't have a lot of power on board because you've minimized the drag vector. Now, when you're accelerating, you've got to accelerate mass. Yes. So that very small amount of thrust gives you pathetic takeoff performance. And it's for that reason that the big civil aircraft require 
4Ks of runway and have pretty advanced flap systems because they are actually all really underpowered because they're as efficient as possible. In that case, would you consider the implementation of flaps at an earlier stage, knowing that in advance that they are likely to be in a situation of that sort? Definitely, but obviously for the climb, for, for aircraft that climb, flaps are not too No, important. no, no, you're not, you're not yeah, using it for there. But, but I mean, you, you're in part of sizing your wing. Okay, I mean, neither is aileron sizing really fundamentally. They're not doing correct. barrel rolls and stuff. Yes. So I, I guess, okay, fine. I mean, yeah. You, yeah, you're flaps are one of those, those dreadful things that you've got to, you can't really do much in them. I mean, you can't store fuel in them because they move. Yeah. So they'll move your center of gravity all over the place. Um, they're prone to damage. They, they're prone to wear and tear because they are hanging out basically on cantilevered beams. If you have a hard landing, you've got to, you know, flaps can be quite problematic. And yeah. if they don't work, you can't fly. Yeah. Um, so, so they, you know, your, your wing structure is going to be fine for the life of the aircraft, but the flaps are, are a compromise and they're a compromise which costs you lots in terms of maintenance and, and, and things like that. If we, we stick them with the aircraft, where, you know, I, I see it very often in the projects, they are going straight into a delta wing layout versus a T-tail with high wing or low wing versus a you know, low horizontal stabilizer, yeah. um, all wing, flying wing. Is that critical to be first chosen then before moving on and looking how you're evaluating your mission? Or is it actually look at the mission, evaluate your overall energy and then get back to it? Or Well, the funny thing is, I mean, if, if you were to take a conventional layout airplane, so a wing and then several, several tail surfaces versus, say, a flying wing, mm. well... What are the motives for having a flying wing in the equation? Lower drag. Lower drag, perhaps stealth, etc. And the sure. thing is, if the mission involves stealth, something with conventional tails is not even going to make it onto the yeah. conceptual drawing board. Yeah. And what what where students often go wrong is if that mission is not properly defined. Yeah. And quite often you have to do a whole design exercise on the mission because the aeroplane is irrelevant at that stage. To perform a military mission, and let's be honest, no one needs to transport passengers in stealth. <laughs> no. I mean, considering everyone's going to put pictures on InstaFace or something of them boarding a stealthy yeah. airplane to go from A to B, it's not going to happen, right? No. So if we're talking military stuff, if you go stealth, there are obviously then a bunch of different factors for it. So stealth can be from an acoustic point of view. There can be the radar re mm. reflectivity. There can be partial or complete or total or, or all sorts of cool, yeah. cool stuff that you can do. Um, but if it is a stealthy thing, then you're, you know a, 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 a braced biplane design is not going to be anywhere near it. No. So if you don't define that mission properly, and you could end up with a multi-role where stealth would be nice. Yes. That's where you could end up with conventional versus a flying wing mm. because okay. the, you know you might be able to do stealth by different altitudes. Yeah. In which case, you know, low drag flying wing can go a lot higher than say your conventional type layout. Um, but that's obviously because in the mission stealth wasn't absolutely critical. Mm. It was a, a very much a, a B C D type um, criteria in terms of nice to have. Okay. But then, so, when undertaking these things, and I think vehicles in general, yeah. you've got to understand your main your mission. You've got to understand what you're doing. What it actually needs to do. And you have to start unpacking it, and you need to be very careful of, of look. and again, we've said this many times, uh, looking at reports available elsewhere. Yeah. Because in, the, in particularly the academic engineering sense, 
students and and academics love to make it look overly complicated. Yes. So I'd rather blow you away with fancy equations which which I've derived and put together in piecemeal with all kinds of complex graphs to show you how clever I am. And the CFD of the wing airflow and, and so on. A lot of that is irrelevant and also it doesn't explain the sort of the thing at the fundamental basic level. Yeah. And if students just dive into the maths, they will basically easily commit an incorrect mission yeah. and the analysis will be for just a speed and they won't demonstrate true understanding. And to me, yeah. true understanding is here's a range of different speeds for climb and this is the performance for each one of those. And if you go to this one, you burn less fuel. Therefore, you don't need to carry that much fuel to do the mission. So I've reiterated the weight for that one. Therefore, the takeoff performance will be better and you need less. So you need a different engine if you are climbing at that speed versus the same airplane if it climbs at that speed. Yeah. That is total understanding. That shows that you are literally a maestro. Yeah. And at fourth year level, nothing less is expected. Exactly. And third year, we still expect it. We understand. Yeah, we want you to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, exactly. I think that finishes off for this particular episode. Yeah. Cool. Thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you on guys in the next one. Cheers.